but a car gradually falls apart, so we have to replace it. So for a lot of people, a car loan is something they have indefinitely, even, even past retirement. If you took somebody today that was in their early 20s and all you did was take that $700 a month and put that away into a mutual fund that got you know, an eight, 9% return. By the time they're in retirement age in their 60s, that money would be, you know, depending on the rate of return, two to $3 million just for giving up a car loan. Staying motivated takes work. If you don't work on your motivation, you become unmotivated. Join Umar Jang as he shares inspirational stories and tips to get you motivated to do whatever you need to do. This is the Motivational Voice Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Motivational Voice Podcast. This is session number 54. Do you think about your future? More specifically, do you think about your future self? By that I mean, who will you be? What key milestones would you have achieved in the future? And most importantly, will you be better off in the future than you are right now? If you are like most people, you don't think about your future self. And to be honest, why should you? But the real question you might be asking is, why does that matter? Why should I care about some future version of myself that doesn't even exist yet when I have enough to juggle with in life right now. Well, this might surprise you, but there is growing evidence that suggests that the most successful people in the world think about some future version of themselves, and they make decisions today based on how well off they want that future version of themselves to be. Now, I will admit that this idea, this concept of the future self sounds a bit too far-fetched, but for someone who has been setting goals for a long time, and executing on them one by one, I am going to ask you to keep an open mind. What you are about to hear might just set you on a path to financial freedom, or at the very least, give you some ideas to work towards a financial peace of mind. Let's listen to my conversation with Chad. Chad, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us uh, who you are and what you do. Well, my name is Chad Hufford, and uh, I run a financial planning firm called Veritas Wealth Management. Uh, we do mostly retirement planning, uh, but helping people create uh, financial objectives, financial strategies, and most of all, coaching them to stick to that plan. Um, it's It's more of a relationship-based uh, practice because you know building wealth uh, or any kind of long-term endeavor it takes long-term behavioral change you can't do that with just products with just a simple plan it creates that long or it needs that long-term relationship and that's why a lot of what we do really boils down to coaching there's something that you wrote that caught my attention which which was you coach people more as much on the mindset as on the financial side. Can you talk more about that and why that is? Sure. Can I give you an analogy first? Yeah, absolutely. So I know you're into athletics. I am as well. Um, it's been an important part of my entire life. Um, and 
it's always funny to me when I go to the gym in January and it's so busy and there's all these people and within a month, they're all gone by the middle of by Valentine's Day. The gym is back to normal. Yeah. And I was, I was actually speaking to a group of um, of hospital administrators down in, in Nashville last month. And I explained to them, I was like, if, if we took everybody here and we gave them a membership to the best gym in Nashville and they had it for a year, a year from now, nobody would look significantly different than they do today because access to the right tools is rarely the difference between success and failure. It's behavior, it's motivation, it's our mindset. And whether it's physical health, relationship health, financial health, um, building a business, education, all those things are much more like marathons than sprints. So people can come out of the gate with a lot of momentum, a lot of ideas, um, a lot of energy, but if they can't sustain it, the tactics and strategies won't be executed long enough for people to have success. And we tell our, our clients, the folks we work with, we're trying to build wealth slowly, we're not trying to get rich quick. And it, it's a totally different mindset. And like I said, you can, you can carry that over to, to health and fitness and sports and, and many other things. But without thinking about a problem correctly, it's hard to act correctly. It's hard to act on the solution long enough to get the result. No, that, that makes sense. And I think that's an interesting approach to, to uh, financial uh, literacy, if, if you will. And actually, this is a good segue in what we are going to talk about today, which is become future focused uh, and creating a better relationship with the future you. Can you talk more about what that means to be future focused? Sure. So a long time ago, 30 years ago, uh, there was a Seinfeld episode that came out and there was a bit that Jerry Seinfeld did it was one of his famous bits about morning guy and nighttime guy. And he talked about it is it's a really funny bit. It's about maybe 60 seconds, 90 seconds long. But he talks about how nighttime guy is always screwing up morning guy. He's staying up too late. He's spending too much money. And what makes it so funny is we can all relate to that. We, it's almost like we're making decisions that we know we're going to have consequences from, but it's almost as if that other person, or sorry, that our future selves is another person. So the way he divides it, it's the guy is making decisions at night, drinking too much, spending money at the bar, things like that, knowing that he's going to have to wake up early and go to, to work. But subconsciously, it's almost like he's treating the morning version of himself as a completely different person. And that's, that's just, that's in less than a 24 hour period. And human beings do that. But when we're talking about, you know, getting an education or getting a good job or building up money for retirement or paying off debt. Now we're talking about making a sacrifice today for something five, 10, 15, 20 years in the future it's even harder and you, you hear these things, you know, it's like, uh, you know, buy the, the, the new big screen TV, TV and you know, no payments till summer of 2024. And you're thinking like, well, shoot, July of 2024. Like that's, that's somebody else's problem. That's future Chad's problem. It's not my problem. And nobody would verbalize that, but that's exactly how we behave on the other side of that. 
when we are making positive sacrifices for the future, such as saving money for retirement or paying down debt or uh, maybe, you know, maybe taking a lower level job that allows you to work your way up, it almost feels like a cost. Like when, when people put money in their 401k or in their IRA, we want them to think of they're paying the future version of themselves because they very much are. But if they don't have that connection to that long-term goal and to that payoff, in the moment, it actually feels like a cost. It feels like something they're giving up. We try to remind people too, Umar, is whatever decision you make, every choice involves a sacrifice. You're either sacrificing the present for the future or you sacrifice the future to live in the moment. And we want to be mindful of, of creating that balance. I watched, actually recently I watched a documentary on, on that very topic around when, when people are asked to save money for their features, they just can't do it. The, I think the analogy they gave was, was we don't seem to care about some future person or some future scenario that we don't live in yet, which makes us not care because, well, it's somewhat hypothetical, even though the future is going to happen to us. Why do you think people just can't, can't do that, uh, prepare for the future or save money or really set ourselves up for success for the future? I, I, I think it's a great question. And that's something I wrestle with. It's something I am trying to, to better understand. What is the disconnect? And I think it's, it's multifaceted. Part of, part of the problem is that this idea of a future version of me, a future version of you, it isn't tangible, right? I've never met the first future version of me. I, I don't know him. I don't even know if I would like him. So why would I sacrifice myself in the moment for somebody I've never met? So it's creating a connection between those two. And how do you do that? Well, we try to make future goals as tangible and as measurable as possible. So from a financial standpoint, one of the things we do is create clear objectives. And there's a world of difference between somebody who is strategically investing or strategically saving for a desired outcome than somebody who is merely just collecting investments. You, know, you think about, you know, maybe as a kid or something like that, you had a bike or a, a toy or, a, or your first car you're saving up for. I remember putting up posters or pictures of things I wanted. It created a tangible reminder of what I was saving for. Adults don't do that. It, it feels like it's beneath us, but it isn't. So what we do is constantly remind people, this is what you said your future goals were. This is what you said you wanted five, 10, 15, 20 years down the road. Is that still the case? Okay, well, here's the plan and the pathway. Uh, last year, you recorded an episode about uh, living a purposeful life. Purpose doesn't happen by accident. We don't, we have to live intentionally. And intention is like vitamin C. It's not stored very well in the body. So we have to remind ourselves constantly and consistently, what am I sacrificing for? If I'm giving up something today that's meaningful or that is valuable to me, there has to be something even more valuable in the future. So creating something tangible and measurable is very, very important. And that can be really hard. But you know, to use another fitness analogy, there's a big difference between somebody saying, I wanna lose weight. And somebody's saying, I want to lose 10 pounds by February of next year because 
I want to be healthier for my grandkids. Now there's meaning and intention and measurement, all those things around that. And is it perfect? No. It's still somewhat intangible, but we've we've created some texture around it where people can start to imagine and envision what that goal actually looks like instead of just throwing things out there, you know, I want to be healthier, I want to be better looking, I want to be wealthier, whatever. There's there's nothing tangible about that and it's really hard to make sacrifices for something we can't see or understand. Yeah, no, I think that that makes a lot of sense. But I can see someone asking in the given environment that we're in with everything that we're facing, inflation is way up uh, in the US and around the world actually. How do we make the choice of deciding what 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 to save and what to spend our money on and what to how what to invest in essentially when things are so tight for most people? Well, it really comes down to to having a plan and having a strategy, something that you can act on, so you're not reacting to everything around you. And, and you know, some people that they hear the word budget or diet or something like that, it they kind of cringe because it feels restrictive. But in, in reality, a, a budget or a diet or a, a work plan, like all those different things, they're all versions of the same thing. What they do is create intentionality. And from a financial standpoint, we want to tell our money where to go and what to do, or else we're just wondering where it went. And most people have areas that they could sacrifice if, if they wanted to and some could more than others, but part of it is just creating the habits. So even if even if somebody's a broke college student and they just get in the habit of putting aside $25 a month or something that it might seem inconsequential, the habit is what's really important. It's creating that link between you and that future version. Even if the impact of that habit is very small, just doing it. Think about, again, use another fitness analogy. Think about somebody who's trying to get in shape. They might realize that they're going to need to be running several miles a week, but if they haven't run in 20 years and they've gained 70 pounds, that's not realistic right now. So it might start with waking up every morning and walking down to the end of the street and back. Is that going to make a huge impact in their life? No. But the habit the habit absolutely will. So people have to start committing to the habit. And that's what makes this so hard, Umar, is bad habits usually have an immediate payoff. You know, you 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 uh, you hit the snooze button. Ah, oh, you get to go back to sleep. That feels good. You know, you you eat a candy bar. You, uh, you, you watch some goofy cat video on YouTube, whatever. There's some sort of immediate dopamine hit. The, the consequences, though, are much, much longer in duration, but they're not felt right away. But that, what that means is bad habits usually get immediate positive reinforcement. Whereas good habits, like eating our vegetables, exercising, saving money, paying down debt, all those things, there's usually immediate cost. There's immediate price to that. So we actually get negative feedback in the near future. Now, the, the consequences are positive and they're much more long lasting, but it's complete, completely flip-flopped. So we have to attach those habits again to that future version of ourself. But even if the level of the habit is not where we need it to be, it's the direction of the habit that, that makes the most difference. Again, it's, you know, you, somebody who's saving $1,000 a month might start with 
$20 a month. Somebody who is running 15 miles a week might start by walking half a mile a week. Um, it's those baby steps that people need to commit to regardless of where they are in life. It's not so much about where you are, it's the direction you're headed. And it's better to be heading in the right direction slow than in any other direction quickly. Right. And how does someone, I know some people struggle with forming habits because it takes time to, to get used to something, to, to your point, that, that gym analogy, right? It, it takes time to, it would be nice if we could just go to the gym one Saturday and then come out with say, a six pack of abs and be super healthy and buffed, <laughs> but that's not reality. Uh, so for those who are struggling with forming these habits, what would you recommend that they start doing first? I would look at what is the smallest step you could take towards that better version of future you. So we're in a microwave society, right? We want everything now. We want to push a button and 60 seconds later it's done. It's toasty, it's warm, and it's delicious. Life just doesn't work that way. So I think breaking down a big goal into small bite-sized chunks is really important. I was just talking with somebody earlier today and we're looking at their financial plan in order for this person to replace their income, uh, they're going to need several million dollars in retirement. That can be an enormous goal that seems completely intimidating, completely overwhelming. But in reality, what this guy needed to do was save about an extra $700 a month. Now that may not be easy, but to wrap your mind around, it's a lot easier to think of saving $700 a month than to have $4 million 20 years from now. Because he was already saving, it's just he needed to bump that up a little bit more. It was just, and, and he might not be able to do it right away. So we talked about, well maybe you, you bump up your 401k contribution another, another couple percent, let the dust settle, and then you do it again until you get to that new level. So it's looking at what is the smallest step that you can take in the right direction Another thing is removing obstacles. So just think of somebody who wants to be a lifetime learner. That was one of the pillars you mentioned in your life of purpose is that that um, the intellectual piece. So let's say somebody listens to that like, okay, a big part of that is, is stretching my brain. There's so much information out there. I mean, you can, you can self-teach yourself anything these days, right? So somebody wants to, to read more, to study more. Well, right now when they get done with dinner, they get home from work, they plop on the couch, they turn on Netflix or YouTube or Prime or whatever, and they just binge watch for a couple hours. Well, maybe we remove that obstacle. So maybe you unplug the TV. Maybe you put the remote control in the other room. Maybe you put the remote control in the other room and you put that book there on the couch. So when you plop down in front of the TV, there's no remote, but there is a book. So it's just little things like that. And that might sound a little gimmicky, but when you can start lining up those little steps and, and putting in triggers, and I, I still do this with habits I've had for years, I still put triggers in front of me to remind me of what I'm about to do, whether it's setting my Bible in a certain place in the morning, um, putting out a note card to remind myself, I do a, a gratitude list every single morning, three things I'm grateful for. I've been doing that for years, but I still put something out to remind me, it triggers my brain, because some days I'm rushed, you know, things didn't go right, 
we've got six kids. There's there's a lot that can go wrong with six kids. You get busy, you get distracted, and then I see that note card, I'm like, ah, I need to sit down and be grateful. And I'll do it. And it changes the course of my day. And it's those little things, those little little bits of change, when you extrapolate that over months and years can make a huge difference in the trajectory of somebody's life. The meals that you eat are an important part of your health. But let's be honest, it's really hard to find time to cook a meal every single day, let alone a healthy one. If you are the person who cooks for your family like I do at home, you know more than anyone that it's not easy to cook healthy foods. What if I told you that there's an easy way to get all of the best meals you want for little to no effort? Right now you can get a simple, easy to follow meal plan that will not only take the guesswork out of cooking, but also help you maintain a healthy weight without living on kale or eating unhealthy foods. That's right, you can take a 30 second quiz and get a meal plan sent directly to your inbox. All you have to do is go to bluezoneremedy.com forward slash meal plan. Take a 30 second quiz and you will immediately receive a customized meal plan that will make cooking for your family a hundred times easier. Again, that's bluezoneremedy.com forward slash meal plan. Yeah, I think uh, what I'm getting out of this is that uh, a couple of things, uh, what you said previously about the relationship with the future self is, I think it's a lot easier to to be mindful and to be aware of someone that we know or to, to care for someone that we know as opposed to someone that we don't know. And I was mentioning that documentary I mentioned before, one thing they brought up was really interesting, which I didn't think about was that think of yourself as 10 years from now, five years from now, whatever your goals are, and then picture yourself as that person. So in this case, they actually age, use an app to age the, the, the participants in the study to show them what they would look like 10 years from now. Of course, now we could do that with apps, you know, Instagram and so on, right, filters. And when you see yourself as your future self in the future, you're like, oh my gosh, that's what I'm going to look like. And I think then, to your point, it's a lot easier to actually say, oh, there will be a future me, so I better start saving and I better start preparing for the future so I can help myself, not that stranger, but myself in the future. So that's what you made me think of when, when you talked about kind of creating that relationship and getting into the right habits. Now, what are some of the things that you've seen that that generally, we talk about obstacles, that the, maybe they're not the number one obstacle, but some of the obstacles that get in the way of people really not starting sooner or doing the right things now as opposed to later? I think sometimes people feel like they have to be at a certain place to start. The, the, the habit or the commitment, the the thing that they're going to do has to be big enough. It's kind of like somebody saying like, um, and I've heard people say this before, like I've got to lose 10 pounds before I join the gym. Like I've got to get in shape before I join the gym. It's, and uh, you know, it's, it's maybe an imposter syndrome thing. It could be a pride thing. It could be an insecurity thing, but people tell themselves, I need to get this promotion before I start saving money. Or, um, I, I'm going to wait until, I pay my student loan off before um, I give to this charity or before I'm generous. And again, it goes back to habits. 
Uh, in fact, I, I failed to mention this earlier. There is a absolutely fantastic book by James Clear. It's called Atomic Habits that it has some wonderful practical steps, way bigger, way more than we can get into here right now on creating that bridge between you and the future you. And he, he talks about this idea of a two minute drill, like breaking down a habit into what you could do for two minutes. So, um, you know, reading for two minutes or, or writing for two minutes, exercising for two minutes, spending two minutes prepping your meals for the next day. So you're, you're just a little less likely to grab, you know, the, the donut from the break room. But I, but I think it's people underestimating the impact that a small change can make when, when they run that out over years and years. Let me give you one very specific example. I was, uh, a week or so ago, I was talking to uh, a local police department and we were talking about debt and car loans. So right now, the average car loan in the United States is about $700 a month. And the thing about car loans, it's, it's, it's not like a house loan where people, you know, they eventually pay their house off at some point, hopefully. But the, the house never completely falls apart. Now, they still renovate it to do the things, but a car gradually falls apart. So we have to replace it. So for a lot of people, a car loan is something they have indefinitely, even, even past retirement. So if you took somebody today that was in their early 20s and all you did was take that $700 a month and put that away into a mutual fund that got you know, an 8 9% return, by the time they're in retirement age in their 60s, that money would be, you know, depending on the rate of return, 2 to $3 million just for giving up a car loan. So people, they're out there right now, they're driving around in, you know, basic vehicle, not thinking about the fact that that loan might be costing them two or three million dollars, costing the 60-year-old the version of them two or three million dollars. And that's, that's just one example. And I think we get used to the fact that, well, everybody's got a car loan, everybody's doing it, and we discount the fact, well, you know, maybe I don't. Maybe I could drive a 10, 15-year-old vehicle, and it might be a little embarrassing, and it might smell a little weird, but what could I do with that money to make a different impact? So that's just, that's just one example of, of something that, that we take for granted, how big that choice can change our life. The trajectory of our life can be altered dramatically by deciding I'm not going to have a car loan. I'm going to pay cash for cars and use that money that I w that would be going to a loan to do something else. And maybe it's not even investing it. Maybe it's, it's for experiences, it's memories for the kids. But that, that's just one example that, that kind of came to mind of a lifestyle decision, a lifestyle choice that month to month may not seem like a big deal, but over years could be absolutely huge. Yeah, I think that's a, that's something that people don't think about, which is the leveraging the power of, of interest, right? Uh, and compound interest and, and just putting away little by little, that does matter. And yeah, to your point, you're right. I think when we first start buying stuff and we, we find ourselves, maybe we just graduated from, from college or we just had our first job and we start making our money, we 
it's hard to resist that urge to I can buy stuff on my own now, right? I think it takes a little bit of experience to realize that it doesn't have to be new, right? You can get a new used something, whether it's a car or or um, whatever interests you, right? You benefit more and you benefit your family and, and your future self more when you make the rough, tough choice of buying the, the second thing rather than the first thing you wanted and then benefiting from, from on the on the other end. So yeah, that's a good good point there. What are some of the things that pe- people do, uh, mistakes or just uh, some of the harder to, to shake habits that, and then what would you recommend that people do? So we talked about, you know, starting small, uh, that's a great way and, and just thinking outside the box in terms of not necessarily buying that, that new thing. Um, and you mentioned other things, but what are other things that you would say maybe in your own personal experience that helped you get to where you are and realize that there's a better way to do this? So this is going to go back to your episode uh, from last year about a purposeful life. Because um, I just, I, I, I really love that topic. And I think there's so much, I mean, that's what we're talking about here. It's It's creating a better relationship with future you so you you can have more purpose meaning and fulfillment um a lot of people in life don't know where they're going it's really hard to take the right course if you don't even know where you're planning to end up nobody would go to an airport and just randomly try to walk on a plane now, you couldn't do that now if you tried back when we were kids you you could you know um you, you could actually get on the wrong plane, you know, uh, it, it, it probably be impossible now, but nobody would ever start a journey without an idea of where they wanted to end up. But a lot of people live life that way. So I think it's, it's going back to that intent, being intentional about where do I want to be? What do I want to do and who do I want to become? And does this decision today line up with that pathway? So, you know, if, if, if somebody wants to you have a great family and a great relationships with their kids and thinking about a decision they're making today, is that going to create better relationships with those kids or with their spouse long term? Um, it may, might be a health decision, it might be a financial decision, it might be a career decision, it might be, okay, I want to be in this career spot five, 10 years from now, which means I might need to take a demotion. I might need to take a pay cut because I'm topped out in this job. I, I don't like it. I'm not being fulfilled. There's nobody's investing in me, but I have to take a pay cut to move over to another company where I might be starting from the ground floor, but they're actually going to invest in me. They'll help me become better. Nobody's going to make that decision to, to voluntarily take a pay cut unless they see the trajectory for that. So I think it, it comes back to having a plan and a destination for where you want to be, what you want to do, who you want to become, and then reverse engineering that process. Looking at, are my actions today in alignment with what I want me in the future to look like and be doing? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I think it does. It reminds me of something you said earlier about uh, collecting investments versus really investing in the right things. What did you mean by that? So a few years ago, my wife and I built a house. 
Uh, we didn't build it, we had a contractor build it. But we met with this contractor and we sat down and he started showing us different uh, sketches um, and ideas of what this house could look like. And he asked us a lot of questions about what we wanted and, and you know, how many rooms, bedrooms and kitchen and how we even wanted the house to function. And we, we kind of got that dialed in and then they created a blueprint. And what that blueprint did is it allowed the build process to have structure based on the future objective. Now, as we continued to build, the the end goal changed. We, we changed some things, we made some revisions, and then that blueprint then adjusted. But the blueprint dictated the tactics and the tools that we used to build our house. A lot of people don't live that way. They react in the moment they pick a pathway or they they react to something around them and then try to force that to line up with where they want to be in the future and a lot of people invest that same way it'd be to, to stay on that house building analogy it'd be like if you and i met up at home depot and we just randomly went through the aisles grabbing whatever tools were on sale or the most popular and then we meet back in the parking lot and i was like umar well we got all this stuff what do you think we should build with it you know it'd be it'd be a crazy way to start building a house but that's how a lot of people build their future is they just they just acquire things and they then they try to figure out how to fit them together instead of thinking about what is it I'm trying to create what are the tools what are the tactics and you know in investing investments are just tools it's a tool that that people leverage to create freedom in their in their life to create um, impact to uh, create more dignity and independence if money becomes the be all end all, if money is the focus, it gets really destructive. It's not It's not good, it's not good for people. Um, so we need to look at it as investments as a means to an end. Uh, just like a lot of things we've already talked about, education, um, the, the gym, you know, working, it's, those are tools. If that becomes the focus in and of itself, we can drift off course. And how do you tie in then you know, maybe someone listening is ready to is realizing that okay, I get, I'm looking at my future self and it doesn't look good because maybe you didn't put it away enough or you haven't started or whatever the reason. How would you advise someone like that to get started? What should they do? Should they to start building that foundation of the future of their future self essentially? One of the best things people can do is start with a budget. So just just like a blueprint is a plan for building a house. A budget is your blueprint for, for building out your financial future. So you could, have, you could have a tremendous investment strategy, but if you don't have the money to put into it because all your money is, is hiding from you in your budget, it doesn't really matter how good the investments are. It's, it goes back to what we talked about at the beginning of this, this episode is, it's, it's like an empty gym. All the tools are there, but if they're not being used, it doesn't matter. So a, a budget creates intentionality. And I was joking with a, a group the other day. I was, I was just saying, you know, money, money is like kids. If you don't tell them what to do, they're probably off doing something you don't want them to do. And a lot of people try to fix that problem by earning more money. And it's just like having more kids. It just adds to the chaos. If, if your money is already undisciplined and unruly and you add more to it, 
it's just more chaotic, more of a mess. So people need, whether they're making 20,000 or 200,000 or $2 million a year, disciplining their money so they're telling it where to go instead of wondering where it went is a phenomenal first step. Yeah, no, I think that's a good analogy. Uh, yeah, not only uh, in terms of the kids, not only will they do whatever they want to do, they may actually do things you didn't want them to do. So, <laughs> so. And I have six kids, so I feel like I can speak speak to that uh, with, with some experience. It gets a little chaotic. But you know, in, in, in another thing that people can do is, is, and this is something we ask people, I ask people on a daily basis. How much money would you need showing up in your bank account every single month to give up your job and live comfortably. So, you know, somebody who maybe has the budget part figured out, they've 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 kind of got the 30-day plan figured out. They're in control of their money, they they're paying down debt or they've paid off most of their debt. But that's getting back to that future goal. Like wh- what do you want your finances to look like? Coming up with a target for how much money would you need to be able to live without a paycheck? How much money would you need showing up in your bank account every single month? That's a really good exercise for people. Not only does it give them a strategic target to work towards, like we talked about earlier, but it's that exercise of planning out what will what would I want my life to look like and then trying to attach some numbers to it. It brings them a little bit closer to meeting the future version of themselves. You have your own company, you, you're an expert in, in terms of uh, financial uh, services in general. If people wanted to get, get a hold of you, where would they go? How would they get in touch with you? Well, our website is veritasalaska.com. And we, we do work with folks nationwide, but I, we were founded, I founded this here in Alaska, and it was much more geographically niched at that point. But Veritas Alaska. Um, the, our biggest social media presence is probably LinkedIn. You can find me just Chad Hufford or Chad Hufford Veritas uh, on LinkedIn if you search that. Um, and if people do have questions, if they, if they do want to figure out how to take some of what we talked about here today and apply that to their, their own lives, um, they can just email ask at veritasalaska.com ask at veritasalaska.com and somebody from um, my organization will we'll get back in touch with them and try to help them get the need or get, get their needs met and one of the things i've found out too and this is why i was ex- so, so excited to have this conversation with you is we're talking about motivation we're talking about being future focused we're talking about purpose the disciplines that we're talking about they're they carry so far beyond finances and finances that's just that's that's the tool that i help people use it's it's the tool that i have found that I have natural gifting and talent and expertise in to be able to help people leverage their future. But the mindsets, the practices, they go through so many other areas. And and our hope would be that as people get their finances in order, their health, their relationship, other parts of their 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 life uh, fall into better order as well. Any final parting words that you want to add before we adjourn? I think the last thing I want to mention is reminding people they have they have agency. You are the biggest variable in your trajectory, not just financially, but in life. The behaviors, the habits, the decisions you make are the biggest variable. Stuff will happen to you, but it's how you respond to that that makes the biggest difference. So it's very easy to, to have a victim mentality or to feel stuck, or maybe the other side where people feel entitled. They've been given the, the so-called silver spoon 
and they get they get comfortable, they get complacent. Both extremes are bad. So just reminding people that they have agency in their future and to focus on the actions and behaviors that align with who they want to be, where they want to be, and, and who they want to become in the future. That was my conversation with Chad Hufford talking about being future-focused. One thing I will say is that it is important to think about this concept of future self. If some of the most successful people on the planet are doing this, there must be something to it. However, do keep in mind that the future is still being written, which means that you must remain open to the fact that there is more than one way to get to that future you. So if you set the vision of your future self to be too rigid, too inflexible, you might be morphing into an unhappy future version of yourself. Successful perhaps, but unhappy. And I don't want that for you. In my humble opinion, your successful future self should achieve the financial goals that you set, but also fulfill all the core attributes that make you a truly successful person. That means a future version of you that is not only financially stable, but also emotionally, socially, and physically healthy. Yes, that means a happy you. Yes, that means a spiritually balanced you. And yes, that means a physically and mentally healthy future version of you. So as you think about being more future focused, don't forget about what matters to you today. Don't forget about your happiness. Don't forget about your core values. And certainly don't forget about nourishing your mind, your body, and your soul. Because in the end, there is no point in being successful if you turn into a hollow version of yourself. With that said, you have to start thinking more strategically about who you want to be in the future because most of us navigate through life without giving it a second thought. Granted, we are being pulled from all directions by life, but don't let that become a decades-old excuse because before you know it, you will turn around and you will find yourself at the end of your life and wondering what happened. You need to stop and ask yourself, where do I want to be 20 years from now? How do I want to live my life 30 years from now? And what am I willing to give up today to make that happen? Think about that. You can find the show notes for today's episode on my website at umarjang.com forward slash session 54, that's session 54. You can also just look in the description of this very episode to see everything that we talked about in this interview. By the way, if you enjoyed listening to the podcast, grab your phone, rate the show and drop us a comment. Let us know what this episode has meant to you. It only takes a moment and rating the show helps the podcast get noticed and helps others discover the show and learn from the content that I share. Thank you for doing that and thank you for spending part of your day with me today. Until next time, please stay safe and motivated. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Motivational Voice Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and rate it on iTunes. Get show notes and the latest blog posts at omarjang.com.